forces are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And with the weekend coming up, we've got some fabulous racing uh, to check out, particularly on Saturday down at Gulfstream Park. Yeah, so I brought in not one, but two of the best handicappers in the land. You combine these guys with your easy win forms, and you're going to be pulling down a ton of jack at Gulfstream on Saturday. I'm John Engelhart. Joining us to handicap the sensational Fountain of Youth card at Gulfstream Park from the Daily Racing Forum in New York, it will be Matt Bernier, and from the Daily Racing Forum in Louisville, Kentucky, it will be Byron King, and there are just so many race, nine stakes on the card, unbelievable, and uh so I kind of divvied it up. I let those guys kind of pick which races they want. Of course, I want to tap both of them for the Express Bet Fountain of Youth. Now, this is a race that's a, a excellent stepping stone to the points for the Kentucky Derby. And it's a, a race that's been run for, I think, about 83 years now. And uh, if you go back to some of the good horses uh, that have come out of here, some of you might remember the quick Shecky Green, named after Comedian. And then there was uh, Darn That Alarm. How about Bet Twice, 49er. And uh, as we moved into more modern years, Thunder Gulch, Pulpit, who went on to be an outstanding sire. And how about Scat Daddy, the sire of Justify, won this race. And Kentucky Derby winner Orb won it in 2013. That's the Fountain of Youth, grade two, going a mile and a 16th. And I believe all but one horse in this race is nominated to the Triple Crown. So we're going to be mixing it up between Matt Bernier and Byron King and try to nail as much of this part as we can Uh Byron decided to take most of the grass races and Matt most of the dirt races. So uh, always happy to have those guys back on the show. So I figure between the talent we got from the daily racing form and what you can pull up from the easy win forms, I'm looking forward to a very happy Saturday. And uh, since we'll be at Gulfstream, we had some hits again at Gulfstream this week. Six days ago, a $1 Super 5 box. How about this? four thousand eleven dollars and thirty cents and uh, just four days ago at Gulfstream, a one dollar super five this was a key not a box three thousand five hundred and twenty two dollars and while you're down in florida you might want to go over to tampa bay i'll be there in a couple of weeks and we pulled down a one dollar super five box 3,520. That's easy win form. So that combined with our daily double from the daily racing form, we're going to be doing pretty good. All right, let's take a, a quick look at the some of the major horses that would probably be in the starting gate at Churchill Downs should the race be happening next week. Leading them all with 60 points is War of Will. We've been watching him race down at the fairgrounds. Mark Cassie, trainee, good-looking horse, can rate and come from off the pace. Then we've got last year's undefeated two-year-old and Breeders' Cup winner, game winner in the second spot, trained by Bob Baffert. And how about Bill Mott? 
he seems to have more horses on the trail this year than any I can recall. Country House is third with 20 points. Then we've got Nick's Go. Horse we're going to see on Saturday from the Kenny McPeak barn. Signalman will be going there. And then uh, drum roll, please. Gunmetal Gray, Jerry Hollendorfer. And we wouldn't want to forget Steve Asmussen with a horse that's been showing us a great late kick in his races. Long Range Toddy. Another from the Baffert barn is Mucho Gusto. Uh, I believe Maximum Mischief, who was rated as nine, will now be off the shelf throughout the Triple Crown with a soft tissue injury. That moves up uh, tax and super steed from the Larry Jones barn, who we saw win at Oaklawn Park just last week. So those are some of the names we're banting about, and obviously we'll be having new names coming up in the weeks ahead. Just so you want to look down the road at days you want to really sharpen your handicap pencil, uh, we've already mentioned the big races on March 2nd. A week from then, uh, we've got races everywhere at Santa Anita. It's the grade two San Felipe uh, from Aqueduct. We've got the Gotham Stakes and Tampa Bay Derby will be held also on March 9th, along with the Jeff Ruby Steaks, that's S-T-E-A-K-S, for those of you that have been to his restaurants, and that's at Turfway Park, all of them Derby Point races. And then we start getting into some million-dollar races uh, on the 16th, so that my son's birthday and the day before St. Patrick's Day, the Rebel Steaks. Let's not forget the Louisiana Derby. That's March 23rd, the following day out at Sunland, the $800,000 Sunland Derby. And then a lot of the horses we're going to see on Saturday will be returning to compete in the Florida Derby. And if you decide to go over to uh, the Maidan race course in Dubai, $2.5 million on the line in the UAE Derby. So those are uh, the big races as we head towards that first Saturday of May. <clears throat> well, here's some sad news. This horse, I, I got to see him up close and in personal when he was training for the Derby. A battle of Midway uh, was euthanized after a training breakdown at Santa Anita. <coughs> uh, of course, you may recall he won the 2017 Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Uh, did send him out to stud, and I believe he only got five or six mares of 60 mares in full. So they decided it was unfair to the breeders and uh, that maybe he wasn't shooting the strongest bullets of the bunch and they put him back in training and uh, he was uh, training at Santa Anita Park and uh, where there have been several uh, accidents and they just say he shattered his pastern and his, his hind leg and they, they wanted to do everything to save him but the vet said there, there was just no way and uh, the owners are very torn up and so are a few other people uh, out at Santa Anita there's been a lot of concern uh, he wasn't the, the only one but uh, again he after being returned to racing it just took him a couple starts to get going Second in the Pat O'Brien, fifth in the Kelso. But then he came back in the comma to the top and native diver stakes at Del Mar. Uh, Five-year-old debut, great stretch run with uh, fellow grade one winner McKinsey. And he won by a half length. And uh, so they were thinking about going to the Dubai World Cup. Sad to say, battle of Midway not with us. And Santa Anita has now extended their closure uh, for several days. They're doing some kind of ground penetrating radar test. I'm not sure what's involved there, but they have had uh, several breakdowns, but the most well-known horse was Battle of Midway. Now, I did state in the, the top 10 there for the Derby points, Maxi Maximum 
mischief, and uh, he it has been announced that he is officially off the Triple Crown Trail. Um, it's too bad he's got the really uh, g- good connections. Uh, father-son team Chuck and Al- Alex Zachney. Uh, you may recall a fleet Alex. Well, it was named after Alex when he was a, a young man. This horse won the Remsen Stakes, uh, but uh, they said it's a soft tissue injury. I'm not 100% sure what that means. I'm not a vet, but uh, yeah, it just looked like uh, it, it's time to back off. I'm glad they're doing it, and they say, well, hopefully we'll come back for some of the races here in, in, in the uh, summer season. So again, Maximist Mischief. You have had a early Kentucky Derby bet on him. That ticket's no longer good. Well, horse I bet on a lot, but seemed to be his own worst enemy. You may recall him. Uh, world approval would come from out of it and nab some big races. Uh, he was the uh, seven years old now, winner of eight graded stakes, a homebred for Live Oak Plantation. And uh, he was uh, just an amazing, beautiful, big white horse, uh, half-brother to Miesk's approval, who won the Breeders' Cup Mile. And it looks like he's just going to go into a healthy life of retirement at Live Oak in Ocala. All right. Well, uh, we did have some interesting workouts on Saturday. And Signalman, who will be going to post as one of the favorites in the Fountain of Youth, had a breeze five furlongs in 101 and three at Gulfstream Park. So he is on his toes. And with him was Harvey Wallbanger. We had his jockey on a couple weeks ago, Brian Hernandez, and uh, he was clocked in the exact same time. So uh, they're both on their toes. It'll be interesting to see uh, where Kenny goes with these two. I wonder if one will show up at the Bluegrass and one at another uh, derby prep before uh, the Kentucky Derby. Okay, well, Flavian Pratt, jockey of the week. He takes down the, the top spot. And uh, uh Vasilika, who we'll talk about here in a minute, uh, was one of the uh, horses that got him there. But, uh, you know, it wasn't the biggest week in stakes races. We admit that. Uh, But uh, nonetheless, uh, this guy, Flavian Pratt, he's going to be around a long time. Long may he ride. He's very impressive. And always good news to hear this. Oaklawn's increasing purses of five stakes and they're going to add stakes to the April 14th card just two weeks after announcing the bump to their overnight purses. So it's nice to see them putting their money back in the pools. So uh, keep an eye down there in beautiful hot springs uh, as the purses are going to get better, which means the competition, the horses, and the horsemen will get better also. Okay, let's take a look at some of the races uh, we looked at last week uh, before we uh, get Matt Bernier on with us. Um, At Aqueduct, the Franklin Square, my friend Steady Eddie Meyer had one horse picked in here. Stones in the road went wire to wire. He's now three for three, New York bred. This race was for New York breds, but right now the son of Buston Stones is Getting it done, trained by my long-lost cousin, Jeremiah Engelhart from upstate New York. Stones in the road went wire to wire, and the second spot was Dadidi Princess. So, Ed, congratulations. You pulled that one down. And uh, another one that you said, go to the window as often as you can, was Vasilika. Came from off the pace in the Buena Vista, grade two at Santa Anita. 
Flavian Pratt, as we just said, was in the saddle. This horse just loves to be around the top spot. Now has 30 starts, 15 wins, is closing in on the $1 million mark. In the second spot, at 50 to 1, a real nice rally by a horse by the name of Streak of Luck. And it was Ms. Bad Behavior getting the third position in the Buena Vista. And also, let's see, at Gulfstream Park, we took a look at the Hales Hope, and it was a Todd Pletcher exacta in here. Getting the top spot at 7-1, to one, a patient ride by Johnny V. Prince Lucky gets the job done. Uh, first start of 2019, closed the season out with a win in the easy goer at Belmont Park. So Prince Lucky looked awful good. He's a four-year-old now. In the second spot was Coppertown. I believe he was the tepid favorite at 2-1. to one. Sad to say, he broke really bad. Eventually got hustled up in there, got to the lead, but had to uh, settle for the second spot. In third at 9-2 to two was a horse that there was a big question mark. We were wondering how he was going to return. Hasn't been out since the Preakness, and that was Quip. So uh, that's a look at the races that we, we handicapped, uh, we did look at one more, and that was out at Sunland Park really quick, and that was that Mine That Bird Derby, and uh, we really thought that uh, it would be uh, Walker Stalker or Wicked Indeed, the two horses uh, that nominated to the Triple Crown, we could get the job done, but it was upset time by a New Mexico bred, hustle up, undefeated at Sunland, beat the big boys in the Mind That Bird Derby. All right, that's a look at last week's races. We're going to turn the page on that and now look forward to getting to this great Gulfstream Park. First up, one of our favorite handicappers, Matt Bernier. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 
1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and back with me, one of the best handicappers and top personalities from the daily racing form. You can see him on air, shall I say, at DRF.com on a pretty regular basis. Matt Bernier, how you doing, my buddy? Very well, John. How are you? Good, good, good. Uh, kind of uh, mind-boggled here. I tried tried keeping up with you, handicapping these races at Gulfstream. Uh, it makes for a very interesting day, I would have to say, from a betting man's uh, view. Uh, there's uh, not too many races that have real standout races. I'm sure we'll get to one in there when we talk about the Devana Dale. But other than that, you know, it, it it's pretty interesting. As you know, this time of year, all of a sudden there's horses that just jump up and put in a wow performance at first uh, i thought it was war will we could see something like that at Gulfstream in, in the express bet fountain of youth so uh i've pretty much just been uh, scratching my head trying to handicap but i never move forward until i get to talk to you as far as putting my money through the window well i guess, hopefully we can uh, impart a little bit of knowledge here with certain horses that perhaps some people may have overlooked a little bit or maybe there were a couple little things here or there it, it really is you know, Dan Elman and I talked about it. We did the race of the day for it earlier today, recorded the video. To me, it is very much the most important derby prep to date, and that's for a number of reasons, just simply because outside of a horse like War of Will or even Mucho Gusto for Bob Baffert, um, we haven't seen really a lot of the big horses kind of deliver. Unfortunately, Maximus Mischief is off the trail, a little bit of an injury, and we haven't seen the two-year-old champ come back yet, game winner. We haven't seen Unprobable's three-year-old debut, so... You've got a number of intriguing plot lines, and now this race on Saturday afternoon, you've got fresh faces, you've got proven horses as two-year-olds now making their three-year-old debut. There's so many different things that go into it, but I, I think this one to date is, is certainly the most important as far as trying to, trying to establish some sort of pecking order with these three-year-olds. Absolutely, Matt. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, let's first talk about the freak, uh, the horse we don't know about except we know when Bill Mott unveiled him at Gulfstream on January 26, Hidden Scroll just had eyebrows popping. When you make a debut on a sloppy track, going a mile, and you end up running a 104 buyer, I don't know if that was a, just a freakish performance or he's got the next secretariat on his hands. Well, and really, that's the million-dollar question for this race, and I think even more, if you want to kind of expound on that more, it, from a three-year-old standpoint, if you think, you know, initially right when it happened, so many people made the parallels to justify last year, and no pun intended, justifiably so, because <laughs> the way that the horse won on debut with the figure that he earned, and there are a lot of similarities there. Now, I think the thing that makes it a little bit more interesting here, it's Bill Mott. Mott's first-time starters are generally not really cranked up and ready to roll first out of the box. You brought up the one-turn mile. The thing that I'm unsure about from that performance, purely from that performance, is that sloppy sealed racetrack because we've seen a number of times in the past certain horses can take to it, certain horses don't. Um, I, I don't know that I want to just sit here and say he's a wet track freak. Clearly, even if that is something, maybe he just adores a wet track. There's, you have to have some ability to be able to do something like that, to be able to produce like that. But what, how it relates to Saturday, 
He's going to be taking on winners for the first time. He's going to be going two turns for the first time, and he's going to be getting a fast main strip. There's just a lot of things going against him, I think, in his first start against winners in great stakes company. I'm not suggesting he's not a contender. He is a primetime contender, if not the horse to beat. Just from a gambling standpoint, I don't know that I necessarily, I don't know that I need to be betting him at 6-5 to five or 7-5. to five. If you're playing a multi-race bet, certainly want to use him as an A, but uh, from an individual race standpoint, I kind of want to take a shot against him. Well, again, though, it, it's going to be interesting, and you make good points on, on, on every level. But what what I do like, is, besides the fact that he won by 14, is that he did it against 12 other opponents. It wasn't one of those short six-horse fields. So we will find out. Well, let's go to what I feel is the next obvious horse that we have to talk about, and that's Signalman. Uh, certainly, this is a horse you think is going to be Pointed for Churchill Downs because he's already had a graded stakes win there. It, he shows a marvelous ability to rate. And I uh, had Brian Hernandez on the show uh, two weeks ago after he won on Harvey Wallbanger. Kenny McPeak's going to have an interesting job keeping those two away, away from each other. But uh, Kenny just does a marvelous job. If you notice, Matt, he doesn't need a $400,000 race to get to the races. He gets a general quarters who's, you know, no uh, tap it um, for thirty two thousand, and he's already won almost a half a million dollars. Uh, from everything I can see, he's going in the right direction. Uh, Kenny and uh, Brian have uh, hook, hooked up for a really good relationship since they moved down to Florida. And uh, this horse is going to be salty if he's ready to roll. Yeah, he's one of those horses. Uh, I would say of the few in here. Let's call them air quotes proven commodities because he has a pretty solid two-year-old foundation. He went out five times. Uh, he ran that solid third in the Breeders' Cup. He came back. He won that Kentucky Jockey Club. Um, there is a part of me that looks at it, and again, you got to keep all of this in perspective from a value standpoint. He's going to be a very, very nice price on Saturday. Um, I, I don't know that I love the field that he beat in the Kentucky Jockey Club, and also, was he a horse that took advantage of a floppy-sealed track, and perhaps he just handled it better than some others? And I, I've said it a number of times. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile from last year, as game as game winner was, and K Nicks go or Nicks go, however you like to say it, ran very well. I, I just I don't know how much I think of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Field of 2018. Uh, having said that, again, Signalman's the kind of horse that's going to be a very very square price on Saturday as one of the more proven commodities. Uh, to me, I would be using him underneath. I don't know that I really want to have too much on him as far as a win contender is concerned, but it won't surprise me at all if he comes up with a big effort in his first start as a three year old. All right, Matt, I want to ask you about uh, one more horse in here who's undefeated that I know that you've seen run twice, going from six furlongs to a graded stakes win in the Nashua, and that's Bacoma. We'll get Lasix for the first time, undefeated son of Candy Ride. Yeah, really nice-looking horse. Like you say, perfect, too, for two. Lasix on for the first time. Has a nice pedigree, too, the son of Candy Ride, but his damn Mona to Mama, she won the Humana Distaff as well as Las Flores, so she was a really nice one-turn horse. Um, look, from a number standpoint, figure-wise, he is arguably the horse to beat in here other than Hidden Scroll. He's got the 97 buyer. He paired up 119 raw time form U.S. ratings in his two two-year-old starts. Um, I find it a little bit curious that he's been gone for as long as he has. This is going to be his, career, his uh, three-year-old debut, excuse me, coming from an early November layoff. So he's been gone for quite a bit of time. Now he goes two turns for the first time. He gets out of New York for the first time. And something that it, it just does not mean the horse is incapable of winning. So if you go back and you watch the head-on of that Nashua, boy, has he got a serious paddle with that left front 
foot. He is going out there, and it swings out there. And, you know, I talk about it with just any kind of athlete in general. Mechanics are important. You know, quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, you think of him, you think of Tom Brady. Pitchers, you think of pitchers with beautiful mechanics as opposed to those with wasted motion. Vacoma's got a little bit of wasted motion. Now, perhaps the talent just outweighs that, but it's always something that I'm curious about. How is that going to ultimately translate as the waters get deeper? I knew you saw this horse run, and that's why I wanted to ask you. Uh, around these parts, we call those horses egg beaters. But, uh, you know, <laughs> with that one leg. So, uh, all, all things aside, I know you're always looking for value, uh, but this is a very uh, interesting field as, as you kind of opened up this uh, this section of the, the uh, show with. Uh, if you were to go to the window right now and, uh, and I handed you some money, what would you be doing with it? Yeah, I'm really torn between two horses. I ultimately picked the number eight global campaign for Stanley Huff. Um, visually, he's done nothing wrong in two lifetime starts. I love that he's won at the distance over the track in that most recent start, and he just never got out of a gallop. He looked awesome that day. Uh, a lot of people are going to look at the bio regression and be concerned about that. I, I'm leaning more toward the time form U.S. ratings for that race. He's paired up 106s. I think he can take a step forward there. But the other horse that I was really intrigued with is the number four, Bourbon War. Uh, Bourbon War, his dam is my conquestadori. We know what she was capable of, multiple graded stakes winner at two. Um, I, I just The only thing that threw a little bit of a wrench into things for me, Mark Henning's barn is just a little bit on the chilly side right now, one for 25 uh, going into this afternoon. And conversely, Stanley House barn is four for 10. And a little tactical ability. I think global campaign can sit just off. So for me, it's 8-4 in this race. But I'm going to be fascinated to see what we get from Hidden Scroll, Vacoma, Code of Honor. You name it. There's a ton of really neat horses in here. Well, Matt, except for the race I'm going to ask you about right now, you picked some interesting races to uh, uh, to try to handicap here on the show this evening. Um, the Devonna Dale, we're going to see the debut of our Breeders' Cup Juvenile Philly champ. Uh, she's only lost, lost one race in her life. Uh, once she started on Lasix, she's been undefeated ever since then at any distance uh, or surface. She's been asked to run over. Uh, do you just put a ring around Jaywalk? Yeah, you know what? I, I, I looked at this race, and, and after I was emailing with you last night, I said, oh, maybe I shouldn't have gone over this one because – I just think she's way the horse to beat in here. She's the speed nearest the inside. If Cookie Doe doesn't go with her, I think she's just loose on the front end. I think Rosario sends no matter what. She's fascinating. She's run five times at five different racetracks, four victories in a second-place finish. This is going to be her sixth racetrack with six different starts. Uh, I think she's strictly the horse to beat. But from the pace standpoint, if you want to try to play some exact and possibly find some value, Maybe you use cookie dough underneath. It's a one-two kind of speed number where they just kind of go merry-go-round around the track. I don't think there's a ton of other giant ability in here. Uh, I would probably just hook up the one and the two. Well, I would, I would add to that if I'm uh, playing an exact or a try. I'm taking a little bit of look at, at champagne anyone as one that can bring home a check. Yeah, look, this is a really solid filly who uh, she did some good things as a two-year-old. I think this configuration, a little bit of additional distance will help. And she was making up some significant ground there in the forward gal against a, a highly thought of Chad Brown horse named Feedback. So Champagne Anyone's another one that has decent numbers could certainly round out your exotics. All right, Matt, I'm going to leave it, put it in your ballpark. Uh, where do you want to go next? you want to try the, the Canadian turf or the sprint? Well, the Canadian turf to me is is a race that I'm intrigued with because it, it's not a big field. There's only seven horses in here, and there's no superstars in here. I, I think a lot of people are going to look at Shug's horse on the outside, breaking the rules. He won the Tropical Park Derby in his most recent start against three-year-olds. 
he makes plenty of sense. Don't get me wrong. But there's not a lot of speed in this race. And I would encourage anyone to go back and look at the most recent race for the number three holiday stone. He ran in the El Prado and the short comment line in the racing form says outrun inside. If you go back and watch the El Prado, it's on YouTube. You can find it. That is the most misleading short comment you're going to see because this horse never had an opportunity to run at any point. Now, I'm sure some people will look at it and say, well, he was beaten by nearly nine lengths two starts back. He got handled in Southern California. Well, the, the run two starts back, I'm not going to hold that against him. First start off with a little bit of a layoff, hot pace. Three starts back to Sea Biscuit, Caribou Club, and Synchrony. They're just better horses. And then four starts back, he ran seven-eighths down in your neck of the woods at Keeneland. It's just, he's, not, he's not a dirt horse. Prior to that, you've got a one-mile race at Saratoga, a 96 buyer at 7-1 to one at a flat mile. To me, that's the race that I'm basing this horse off of, and Manny Franco comes down to take the mount. To me, it's a situation where if you can get the 8-1 to one morning line, I'd run to the window. He may not be the likeliest winner. I think he works at a beautiful trip in here, and I think he's going to outrun his odds. Let's put it that way. Uh, well, see, I handicapped without odds. I had no idea he was that long. Uh, I really didn't. Is, is breaking the rules the favorite? I, I, as far as the morning line is concerned, I'm not entirely sure. I just know that Holiday Stone is 8-1. to one. And given the other thing, too, there's a couple other horses. I think Cowboy Culture will take a little bit of money, and we know what Hembry's all about. Hembry's a talented horse for Mike Maker. I think those two or three horses are going to take a little bit. And even if, even if you don't get 8-1 to one on Holiday Stone, to me, he's that kind of horse that at 6-1, to one, if you're playing a multi-race wager, if you're playing exotics, to me, he'd be the kind of horse that I'd be most interested in keying in a spot like this. All right, we're talking with Matt Bernier from the Daily Racing Forum. Be sure to go up on DRF.com and check out him and his partner, Dan Illman. They do a fantastic job. Well, I think we got enough time, Matt, to get our teeth into the Gulfstream Park Sprint, grade three, 100,000 up for grabs. And to be honest with you, I'm totally in the dark about this race because we had so many to handicap. I didn't get to it yet. Well, I, to be honest with you, this is going to be a race that's all about the pace situation. The two speeds are down on the inside. The number one recruiting ready. The two, Mike Chinamato. Uh, you go through the career of recruiting ready. He's won six of 17 starts. All six wins have come in gate-to-wire fashion. Luis Saez has them out here. They're breaking from the rail. There's really only one way for Luis to go. That's to send him, go on with it. If Mike Chinamato, who is very, very much outclassed as far as this race is concerned, if he can stick around for a little while, perhaps it softens up recruiting ready. But at the end of the day, I kind of have a feeling that he is just going to be that much better than everyone else. More importantly, if you're looking for a horse to use underneath a horse like recruiting ready, I'd be interested in, in Santia Men, the number five, at a little bit of a price because I think he's rounding into form. That most recent run over sloppy sealed track, no pace that day. And he ran into XY Jet, who when he gets out there and is allowed to dictate things, you're not going to run him down. And I thought that run two starts back, first off of a pretty considerable layoff, was, was solid enough. I think you're going to get the best effort that we've seen from Santia Men to date. He might be a square enough number, so if you want to hook him up underneath recruiting ready, that would be the way that I'd play this race, 1-5. Fantastic. Well, uh, Matt, can you tell me, I, I know you record a lot of your uh, races of the day a little bit in advance. What are we going to see over the next couple of days with you and Dan Elman? Yeah, the big news, obviously, Saturday, the DRF Bets race of the day is the Fountain of Youth. You'll be able to find that over on video.drf.com or the Racing Forms YouTube channel. Uh, my preview podcast came out this afternoon. You can find that on YouTube and anywhere else that you download your podcast. 
uh, out of the gate with me, Dan Elman, Mike Beer, a number of other contributors. That's out this afternoon. A uh, number of things going over pretty much. I mean, look, everyone's talking about Gulfstream for Saturday. Just with nine stakes races, it's hard not to wrap your head around that one. So you can go any different way. You can take a look at all the in-depth stakes previews and podcasts that we've got going along over again, video.drf.com or the Racing Forms, Daily Racing Forms YouTube channel. All right, and I advise our listeners to do just that. Matt, thank you very much. Say hi to Dan when you see him next, and I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. Anytime, John. Always look forward to it. All right, Matt Bernier from the Daily Racing Forum. Going to take a quick break, and we're going to go back with one of his brethren from Louisville, the king of the cappers, Byron King. I'm John Engelhart, and you're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Pick, bet, and cheer on live racing from Woodbine and Mohawk Park. Thoroughbred and harness action. The wagers are just the beginning. Watch award-winning broadcasts covering both breeds. Incredible battles contested over the most unique grass course in North America. Experience the full fields with over 130 thoroughbred and 160 live harness days. Get access to free handicapping material and join the ranks of Woodbine and Mohawk Park players from all over the globe. For more information, visit woodbine.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, talking with Byron King here, the king of the cappers from Louisville, Kentucky. Brian, how did you uh, winter? I wintered pretty well, other than I I caught the crud about, still have it, uh, about four times this winter. So, um, unfortunately, I got that. But um, other than that, it's been a good winter. 
Well, knock on wood, uh, a couple people in my family got it, and I dodged it, man, and I didn't get a flu shot or anything, so I'm just keeping my fingers crossed because we're almost out of the woods. I mean, we're still at that point where you can get like a 15-degree difference in a day, but uh, between, uh, you know, working by myself in the office and working out of my studio here, uh, I'm not around a lot of people, so, and I think the other people like that, too, to be honest with you. Well, you know, thankfully you're you're dealing with me in a phone conversation here, so I'm not affecting you. So there you go. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. Well, uh, you know, uh, the, the uh, live racing is going to be heading up your way here in a couple of weeks with uh, uh, the gates opening at Keeneland and uh, eventually in your neighborhood there in, in Louisville. And uh, right now, as uh, I was uh, uh, talking with Matt Bernier from New York, uh, you know, really, the door's wide open for just about anybody on a three-year-old scene right now, don't you believe? Well, I think there's some definite horses that are a little bit standing ahead of, of, of the others. <clears throat> Obviously, I think you have to put game winner on the basis of what he did last year. Uh, you know, clearly, he's... He's the standard, right? But, but I personally, if I had to pick one now, and of course he hasn't even run yet at three, I would go with Improbable. I think he's just been fantastic in, you know, winning the Los Al for charity and two other starts and just traveling beautifully in all the workouts I've seen of him. He looks very talented. Hidden Scroll, uh, who actually closed as the second favorite among individual betting interests for uh, pool two of the Derby futures. Only one, one start, one win, wins by a pole, and he's running in the Fountain of Youth on Saturday. Um, so I'm sure we'll be discussing that. But, but clearly you have some that are uh, shining a little brighter on them than a few others, but... Uh, Three-year-olds at this time of year, they make such rapid development in these months that um, a lot of times I think, you know, if we ran the Kentucky Derby in March and we ran the Kentucky Derby in, in May, you know, you have different winners uh, simply because of their, the progression that so many just make over that time period. Absolutely. Well, listen, let, let's go to, to, the, to the main event, ladies and gentlemen, the 13th race at Gulfstream Park, the Express Bet Fountain of Youth, a grade two with four, $400,000, all of these but one nominated to the Triple Crown. I feel like I'm in a WWF ring right now. But uh, anyhow, you, you mentioned Hidden Scroll, and Matt and I talked about this horse. I mean, he could either be a, a, a slop-loving horse that caught the right crowd or he could be the real deal as you know Mott's not famous for getting horses to the derby and not because he doesn't have talent in the barn because it's just never been his way of playing the game but now you've got what i'm sure is an extremely well-bred uh judd mont homebred that jumps up beats 12 horses by 14 lengths and its debut going long and gets a 104 buyer uh, he could be a freak or that could just be a freak performance. I don't know, but I can see why people are willing to move him up a little bit in their thought process. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, there's no way to watch his one start and not be thoroughly impressed in every, every manner. Uh, same thing goes for his most recent workout 
which is up on xbtv.com. He worked with a nice horse called Tacitus, a nice Tappet maiden winner from Mott, and just, you know, beat him silly. Uh, just amazingly, uh, 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 amazingly is probably too strong a word, but he, he did it just rather comfortably putting him away and seemed to have so much left in the tank. Having said all that, this is a huge step. I mean, you're going from a maiden race into a graded race, you know, a grade two that is arguably the best three-year-old prep we've run thus far. And that is not the ideal scenario. You know, even Justify, and I mentioned this in my column that appears on Saturday, Justify got, you know, he got a softball thrown to him. He got to run in a one first level allowance before he tested stakes company it's not easily done in fact bill mott has only run over the last five years he's only run two three-year-olds he's only run two three-year-olds in uh graded stakes after a first down maiden win so really um, this is very much out of character yeah uh, but part of it is i think his hand was forced there was only one allowance route at Gulfstream prior from his maiden win to this uh, race and that was on February 9th, and he ran on January 26th. It wouldn't make sense to, to wheel him back that quickly. So I think they just kind of figured, you know, the Derby's not very, you know, if we got to run sooner or later, we don't have a whole lot of time. So um, he's um, and so he's going in here. He looks to me like a very good horse. I have seen over the years races over off tracks, uh, where the outcome is exaggerated because of the sloppy conditions. So that could be the case with him. But, I mean, certainly he was brilliant. But um, I think you're looking at a really short price considering the quality of opposition. And though I respect him, my preference would be to try to beat him. And I can go into who I like for that uh, in just a little bit. That's the reason why I bring pros like you on the show, Byron. <laughs> well, that horse is Signal Man. That's who I decided on. Uh, Signal Man is a horse that was third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. He won the Kentucky Jockey Club to cap off his season. He's a horse that I think, even though he comes out of those very elite races, doesn't quite have that kind of... Uh, I don't think anyone really regards him as a superstar type, like they might a hidden scroll, or even for that matter, of a coma who's yeah. two for two that's in the race, or even a, a global campaign who's also two for two. This horse has a few losses on his resume, and I think as a result, there's not as much blue sky, not as much uh, room to dream that he could be this, you know, really elite superstar kind of type. And he has also had pretty favorable trips in winning the Kentucky Jockey Club and when he was third in the Breeders' Cup. Just a, a great ride by Brian Hernandez to save ground with him somehow from the 13 post. He got him into a ground-saving position. So he has been a bit fortunate in that regard, but he's also uh, you know, a handy horse that puts himself in the right positions. And I think he could sit mid-pack, and maybe if someone runs with Hidden Scroll and they all get hung up on, on trying to beat him, who looks to be a front-running type, Maybe it'll set up for Signal Man, who I think will drift up from his 9-2 morning line. I think he'll be higher than that. 
Yeah, you know, and I'm in lockstep with you. You know, it's just as I stated to Matt, it's amazing the eye that Kenny McPeak has for horses. And uh, the fact that I know originally he picked Curlin out of the sale, though he didn't get to train him, um, that he takes a general quarters uh, colt for 32000 and turns him into this kind of beast. There's something that Kenny's able to see in horses at the sales that obviously some people don't because he gets them for, you know, a, a pretty good price and turns him into a good horse. I'm a big fan of Brian Hernandez. And as you know, he's come he's coming off the winning title at Churchill Downs, so he knows his way around that track. So he certainly uh, will be a horse to watch down the road, but I think uh, he's going to be very dangerous uh, at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Well, I certainly hope he is. You know, I think Brian is a fantastic rider. Um, he's shown such uh, skill in saving ground, and he's even even though his win percentage doesn't really leap out here at Gulfstream. Pardon me. I'm just, Sorry, I'm still shaking off this crud here, but um, that's okay. You know, he has a nine percent win percentage, but you know he's riding down here on a circuit where he typically in the past had gone to fairgrounds, so he's not as tied into those Florida connections. And but he has put on some outstanding rides. I mean, he gave a great ride to Harvey Wallbanger to win the Holy Bull oh, just yeah. last month. He saved ground and just did everything right and. He and Kenny McPeak have formed a a solid um, relationship together. They, you know, he seems to be his go-to guy at the moment, and uh, you know, I think very highly of Brian Hernandez. I think he can do just about um, just about anything. You know, he can ride a horse on the lead. He can save ground. He can pull a Calvin Burrell like move. You know, uh, he's a very talented young rider. Absolutely, from a family of riders and came up the Cajun way. Well, listen, I, I kind of put a challenge to you to handle some of the turf races. So let's go to the strange distance, uh, mile and three-eighths of the Mac Dermida. And I'm probably ruining that name. Uh, but it's a great two. What I notice on the, the the position of this race, it looks like they almost start on the turn. So does that give a, a good edge to somebody like Village King that's got a little bit of early foot to get uh, a position early on? Um, it looks like uh, a lot of the – we've seen Mike Maker turn claimers into graded stakes winners before. He's got Zulu Alpha. But it is a strange configuration with this distance. It is. Uh, in looking at it uh, in the diagram, I would be curious – with Gulfstream, you just never kind of know uh, the way that they do their run-ups and their moving of their rails and whatnot. And I have to say that I'm not all that up to speed on exactly what they're going to be on Saturday. But uh, I think, you know, <clears throat> before placing a wager, it might be a good idea to be checking that out, uh, you know, when the camera pans to it in the in the post-parade kind of thing to see exactly what kind of run-up they might be looking at. Uh, but... I think a race of this length, um, typically post-position falls pretty down low on, on my pecking order of the most important criteria. And um, I settled for Channel Maker here. I just think he's the kind of class of the race. Yep. A horse that won the, you know, he, he won the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic uh, in September. He really developed in, in the Bowling Green as well in a dead heat with Glorious Empire. 
And his last two races, although defeats, one was in the Breeders' Cup turf on, you know, very boggy going. Then he catches uh, another wet course and has a troubled trip in the Pegasus World Cup turf, uh, which was a, a very nice race, too, in terms of, I mean, he's coming out of two of the better grass races of the last few months. So he he's rock solid to me. It is shocking when I look at his record, though, to see that he's he's never hit the board in three starts Gulfstream on the turf. But I think some of that is, has been due to circumstances, at least in his two starts that show on the past performances in the last last twelve. You know, two of those that the two that show were in Grade One company. So um, kind of gets a pass in that book. Um, Sulu Alpha has really. Um, caught my eye of how he has just developed over his last four starts. He was uh, originally claimed by trainer John Ortiz for uh, owner Michael Hoy uh, for $80,000 in September of last year at Churchill, and he won by nine and a half that day, just romped. And he came back for Ortiz and won the uh, Sycamore, grade three at Keeneland, when stretching out to a mile and a half. And after that time, um, according to what trainer Mike Maker told me, is um, the owner, Michael Hoy, wanted to go to Florida with the horse where uh, the prior trainer, John Ortiz, does not go. So he you know, he got the horse. And uh, after a seventh in the Fort Lauderdale, this horse won the William McKnight and did so very, very gamely. It looked like his runner, uh, his stablemate and the runner-up, Sokolio, might get to him in mid-stretch. But he fended him off in a very strong effort and... This horse is is legit. It, it doesn't matter that he's a former claimer. Uh, you know, uh, Maker has developed a lot of these former claimers into, you know, grade two, grade three, even grade one winners. Yeah, I and mean, when we're talking about claiming races, we're not talking about a you know a six thousand dollar claimer at at some track where eighty thousand no. dollars what was given to him when they took him from uh, Calumet Farm. Uh, we're uh, talking with Byron King from the Daily Racing Forum about the Mac the Armida at Gulfstream Park. I guess the one horse I, I I didn't mention, and I think you just maybe got to put a line through his last start is Melmich. Uh, he's another one. I mean, without it, it's funny that you said that the the class of channel maker that's the one big word i have written on his past performances in the form is you know from what i see on the form and i don't know how far back it goes every race it shows in the daily racing form is a grade one or a grade two so if that's not class i don't know what what is but melmich if you throw out his last race this is always a horse that's going to be like grinding at the end and again i don't have odds in front of me i don't know if he's a long shot or whatever but that was a huge finish he put in in, in his uh, debut race at golf stream in his last uh i don't know what his odds are is he worth putting on your ticket well he's 15 to 1 and i wouldn't dare talk you have a 15 to 1 shot uh he ran in a mile of 16th race in the grass this is a horse that for oh it seems like for the last two or three years he's been an elite synthetic performer up at woodbine yeah, and so they shifted him to the grass, since you know it doesn't seem to be a dirt horse, and he ran very well last time, going a distance that was much shorter than his preferred, uh, you know, kind of uh, mile and an eighth to marathonish type of thing, and he didn't have the best trip either. Having said all that, this field is much much better than the group that he just ran third against, so he is going to have to step it up. Uh, and I personally 
do not think that he is up to this standard. But at 15 to 1, I would not talk you or anybody else off of, um, you know, throwing him into um, the bottom of your exotics, that kind of thing. Well, I like exactas and trifectas. Well, uh, you know, I'm having not sure where to go next, but I'm got. Let, let's go to the, uh, the the grade three honey fox. We got about three minutes left. Uh, this uh, br- brought together a, a pretty, shall I say, sizable field. Uh, the the two horses that uh, kind of come to the top for me are uh, the Irish bred uh, Precious, uh, who's now in the Chad Brown barn. <laughs> Did I say that right? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe in uh, Ireland. It, it, I if wish it was everybody a fr- said it that way. You know, it would be more, it would be a lot more fun, wouldn't it? You know? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. Use. I'll have to see what uh, Pete Aiello calls it on uh, Saturday. But uh, this just looks like a horse that's ready. I mean, uh, came in uh, from from Europe, moved to Chad Brown Barn, only had one start, just got beat in the in the De La Rose at Saratoga. They put the horse away, and now I'm looking at its works. It's throwing bullets, uh, you know, best of 30, second best of 14, Chad Brown, grass pedigree and the other horse that kind of came to me who's kind of sharp off a uh, uh coming in fresh off a sharp win is the todd pletcher trainee of uh help me with this name beleve that that one sounds really good i like that one that, yeah i think you got nailed beleve um, <laughs> i think you're spot on the money here i agree with you 100 percent I think uh, Precious, or, or however you want to pronounce it, is a horse that showed immense talent overseas before uh, running second in the De La Rose last summer at Saratoga, and for whatever reason has been laid up since that race in August. But Chad Brown is so good off the bench. I mean, when he gives him time, there's a lot of trainers that I, when I see them bring one back off a layoff, that I, I mean, I'm a little concerned that they'll be fit or that they'll uh, that an injury might have slowed them down. But with him, I have confidence when he brings one over that it's gonna it's gonna fire. And I think he's gonna have this horse geared up. I'm sure they've got big things planned for her. She showed a lot of talent overseas. She was a Group One winner in France, so um, clearly uh, was bought for some big bucks. She's owned by Peter Brandt, who won the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare Turf last year with uh, Sister Charlie. So she has all the makings of a very good one, and I suspect she's going to be ready. Uh, Bellave, I, I think, is <clears throat> she won a grade three last out. She's been rock solid at winning two out of her last three for Pletcher, but I think this race is just a, a notch better than, than what she just defeated. All right. Well, listen, Byron, I appreciate you, you know, coming with us, uh, uh, fighting the funk. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I hope you beat the this, this, this is your last round of, uh, you know, the, the, the winter uh, not feeling so good with all the temperature changes and everything. But I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate your input. And uh, you said your feature story on Saturday in the Daily Racing Forum is going to be on blank. Well, it discusses, my column is about, it discusses Hidden Scroll, it discusses about, it discusses Hidden Scroll and the, the challenges of, of coming from a maiden race, leaping right into the greatest stakes company. Um, 
<clears throat> and as well as that delves into why I like Signal Man and the Fountain okay. of Youth. So, well, Byron, my, my be sure to give it a read. My producer's telling me we are out of here. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks to Matt Bernier. Thanks to Josh, our producer. I'll be talking to you next week. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Englehart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.